Hi, I'm David Ahern. My guest today is Kevin Bailey, a committed father of seven children and husband to Grace. Good to have you with us today, Kevin. Great to be here. Before we get on to your personal life and passion for everything around families, I should mention that you've had a fascinating career. You began in the Australian Army and the Special Air Service before embarking on a long career in the financial services sector. You somehow found time to write several books about money, and then there was your appointment as Honorary Consul General for East Timor following its independence. Kevin received an Australia Day's honour in 2017 for services to Australia, including for his work in Timor-Leste. In recent years, you've launched yourself headlong into philanthropy. That is quite a resume. Before we uh, get started on some of that, perhaps you could tell me about uh, your early life, fairly humble beginnings in Sydney, I believe. Certainly was. I grew up in a uh, great Catholic family. Um, We had eight kids. Uh, Mum and Dad uh, were very, very uh, committed. Uh, We had eight kids in a two-bedroom house. We lived in a housing commission house. Dad was a factory worker and uh, worked very, very hard. Uh, We, uh, myself and my um, friend, my brother, stepped out in the garage and then there were another um, bunch of uh, kids inside the house. (laughs) And uh, we had a lot of fun. So it 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 was a great upbringing, but I left home at 16 and joined the army. Right. Um, so that I could finish my education and you know get involved in um, in life. So uh, it was an interesting um, uh, beginning, but it certainly um, stood me in good stead. I bet it did. Sure. Uh, so how many kids did your parents have? My you parents have? had eight children. Eight I children. was the second eldest of eight. Seven boys wow. and one girl. Oh wow! Yeah. Is it, how did they cope with all of that? Well, um, I think they cope pretty well. I think it's a blessing. Yeah, so, well, I come from a family of six too, so yes. I can relate to that. I think yeah. lots of families uh, back in the sixties and seventies that was more the norm than it is today. Yeah, absolutely, sure, true. Okay, uh, in respect to your career, then, if we can shoot forward a few years to sure. the Shadforth Financial Group, uh, what prompted the child? Perhaps tell me a bit about that, and then what yeah. prompted the change to philanthropy? It wasn't a you know sort of. Um, you know, sort of sudden, you know, uh, change. It was something that was happening all the way through my life. I um, I left the uh, military um, in my mid twenties, late twenties, and then got involved in the into the um, financial services sector and was very active there for nearly thirty years. Uh, but as I um, got married and started raising a family, we got very involved in a whole range of issues. We got you know supportive of the Timorese. Uh, you know, struggle for independence uh, because of the independent company guys that had uh, fought there in the Second World War. I knew a number of those. I met them through my military um, experience. And I really was, um, you know, focusing on social justice, focusing on, um, on you know, what was the right thing to do. And so um, being a father and being involved with raising my kids, I wanted to be um, more active in, um, in the church and active in in the community, and so that gradually led me to get more and more involved in in um, issues like the uh, the East Timorese um, uh, situation and many many other situations. And so uh, I um, continued working and making money and being you know, successful and being very focused on on uh, business. Right. Uh, but I my kids were were getting older and as they were becoming young adults uh, I could see that I had to do a lot more than just do something on the side I had to be really laying down my life to to make a difference so that they could actually see that example yeah. and so um, I had to um, to really ramp up um, the um, um, involvement in in working in the community right and it's something you're still involved in today sure I sold my business and I was very successful uh, with the um, 
um, the business. I was very fortunate there, but I, I was then able to set up a foundation and uh, get involved in uh, making um, um, donations to yeah. different charities and getting involved on different boards. And so I've continued uh, right through the last seven or eight years. I've you know spent virtually um, full time involved in the, in the philanthropic sector. So my wife always um, jibes me a little bit about. I thought you were retiring. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm never shy and never retiring. And so I've been uh, very, very active and I'm as busy as I've ever been. Yeah. I just don't get paid for it anymore. Yeah, but you don't care. I don't care. There's much more important things to um, to life than just making a dollar and, <clears throat> and being involved in, um, in in accumulating wealth is not, not the be all and end all. Sure. Do you think you get more personal satisfaction out of that? Oh, there's, there's no question. There's... Um, the old adage "it's better to give than to receive" is um, is a bit of a cliche, but it's yeah. it's very true. That um, I think we were made, we were created in a certain way that mm-hmm. that we really take a great deal of uh, pleasure and and a great deal of um, um, sense of being who we're, we're we're meant to be. If we we can actually be out there making a real difference in in other people's lives, and that really is is part of our search for meaning. I think that we all go through. Sure. What are some of the other things you do? You mentioned uh, when I spoke to you last week or the week before, Wilberforce. That's an sure. interesting. Uh... This is. A, I've been involved in a number of different um, charities and different organisations, and um, you know a lot of uh, international, you know, third world poverty, um, helping people overseas, helping people locally as well. Wilberforce is one of those organisations that has been working with ex-offenders, working with people who have been um, uh, drug addicted or uh, alcohol addicted, uh, people that have been in prison, and getting them back into the community, working with local churches to help rehabilitate rehabilitate them and get them back on the road where they can actually build relationships, where they can um, <clears throat> build new friendships, they can build new um, um, careers and they can start uh, to really contribute to society and, and uh, they can leave their past behind. They can really you know, um, uh, feel that they've been forgiven and that their crimes are forgotten, that they've, you know, they've, paid, they've paid the price. And then they can actually uh, turn over a new leaf, so to speak. Yeah. So I've been involved on the board, on the national board of Alpha for a number of years, which is a an organisation that works with uh, local churches to help them to be more of a welcoming um, type um, um, organisation instead of being focused on themselves. Too many churches get inward looking and they become like a Christian country club yeah. where they just focus on their members and we're really called to move from that maintenance of the existing church to a missionary outreach and that's when uh, a parish comes alive, that's when churches come alive and so yeah. Alpha has been a wonderful vehicle for doing that and part of um, out of Alpha has grown that outreach to um, you know run Alpha in prisons and then out of that uh, involvement, you know, when people came out of prison, they needed to actually get tapped into a local church. And so the Wilberforce Foundation really came out of that and it's been remarkably successful. And so I've also been involved in Fatherhood Foundation, working with single dads. You know, fatherhood is very, very important. And so, you know, lots of uh, people have had, you know, tragic lives or have had situations and circumstances which have not worked out the way they wish they would. But they, um, children desperately need a father in their life. And whether you know, ideally, it's where a mother and a father are, are married and, and committed to each other. And the best gift you can give a child is to love their spouse, love your spouse and love their parent. Sure. Um, but if yeah. that's not possible, then certainly you've got to be um, working doubly hard. And um, for a lot of men, uh, particularly, uh, they lose hope and they lose faith in being able to 
to really contribute. And so I was involved with the Fatherhood Foundation, Dads for Kids, uh, for a number of years. And that's been yeah. a wonderful um, blessing as well for, for so many people. And sure. so um, I think, you know, the common theme that runs through a lot of the work that I've done is, has been really uh, focusing on people having meaning and people really living up to their responsibilities and therefore living life to the full. I think St. Arrhenius back in the first century said that the glory of God is man fully alive. And I think that's that's a big part of my mission or my vision is to actually ensure that people are able to live to their full potential. Sure. I mean, love's the important thing, isn't it? Children need to be loved. I mean, we all need to be loved, but children especially, and when there are broken families and when children don't get the love they need, it sort of gets back to the the prison thing and kids going off the rails and doing the wrong thing, that it's all connected really, isn't love it? Love is, yeah. it, it is interesting. Um, love is a very important aspect, but it's also virtue and example. Um, children need to have um, an aspiration. They need to have someone to look up to. Um, they need to have love, absolutely, but they need yep. to actually uh, look up to um, parents and they need to be challenged. And uh, quite often love is, um, is misrepresented. You know, yeah. tough love is often uh, what's required, and um, and love is really um, calling people to be the best that they can be, and and really working through things with them, so that uh, particularly children, teenagers, young adults uh, need to be um, challenged to um, to step up and and to live a life that's full of um, hope and and meaning and um, and purpose. Yeah. The segue is there, we're talking about what you do, the work, and um, single dads and people in prison and broken families. And it seems to be more of an issue now. I don't know whether it's just because of social media that we're more aware of these things. I mean, there have always been broken families, of course, but it seems to be quite prevalent today. Yes. So my way of thinking that there's a real need to help families. There's no question that uh, uh, we are called to be countercultural. Our culture is... um, I think uh, Pope John Paul II said it was the culture of death. Yeah. As we've uh, become the, um, it's all about me generation, <clears throat> we've basically decided that, um, um, you know, our culture has decided that um, we've, we're focused on our rights instead of our responsibilities. Our culture has, has been pushing um, whatever feels good, feels good, do it. Um, it's all, you know, marriage is about what the other person can uh, provide for me. And if they're not doing what they um, they should be to fulfil all my needs, then I need to go look elsewhere. Um, the idea of easy divorce has uh, has certainly been uh, fault free divorce came in in the seventies. Abortion was legalised in the seventies. Um, you know, the marriage, um, the whole concept of, of marriage um, being for life, and you know, sort of man and a woman um, getting married. It's marriage is a compound right. But it's true that we need to be, you know, in our marriage. What can we do for our spouse? What can we do for our children? What can we sacrifice? And somehow, um, ironically, we find that the more we give ourselves away, the more we find ourselves, mm. the more powerful our relationships become and the more meaning we have in our life. Mm. Sort of gets back to almost what you said before about making money, but now you're, you're happier doing all the philanthropic work that you do. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's, it's not an so either or, it's, it's both and. I think you know. Um, I think that that is very, very important. Not everyone can just stop working and and be involved in in philanthropy, but sure. everyone can be involved in volunteering. Um, they can be involved in the local St Vincent de Paul. My wife works locally with the St Vincent de Paul. She goes out and visits people, you know, so a couple of times a week, 
And um, the other thing is that we can all be involved in, you know, donating um, to causes and, and giving something away. My wife and I have been involved in marriage uh, preparation for nearly 30 years. We've been working with a group called the Marriage Education Program. And I um, um, am always fascinated by the, the way that we, we go through communication, we go through, you know, family of origin and family background, and, and we go through the spirituality of marriage, but we also talk about finances. We talk about budgeting and we talk about when two young people, um, or not so young people in the 30s or, or even later get married, um, what happens is we come together and we, you know, the two become one. And, and so that our finances, you know, we actually say, whatever I have, whatever I am, I, I give it to you. I share everything with, with you. And then we actually talk about budgeting. And one of the things that I do when I run through a budget um, I actually asked how much you know they're going to spend on on um, hair care and how much they're going to spend on um, on gym memberships and how much they're going to spend on all sorts of things Foxtel or or, um, or um, Netflix. Netflix or whatever it is that yeah. they they get involved in. But then when I've made this huge long list and usually it, it becomes quite long, I then yeah. say, oh oh by the way, I nearly forgot. Like Colombo, I think oh one more thing, how much are we going to give to charity? And and inevitably. It's a fraction of one um, percent yeah. when we actually do the calculation of what they want to spend and what they're yeah. they're budgeting on. There isn't a thought given, even as they're prepared for marriage. They're not even thinking about what they want to be involved in. The idea of tithing or the idea of giving um, a proportion um, away to actually contribute to their society and to be involved in things. Yeah. Um, our culture has said, "Oh, the government takes care of that. We pay taxes, so therefore we become insular. We just care about ourselves." And and I don't think that's been healthy. As the government's got more and more involved in things that families and churches used to be involved in, people have become disengaged and disconnected. Volunteering has dropped dramatically, and we need to volunteer more because. It, it really opens up our society. It makes our society much more humane. And we've, we've lost a lot of that over the years. And I think that is part of the, um, the problem that we've, we've run into, whereas people don't feel connected anymore. It's not just for the people who are receiving the benefit of volunteerism or charity or, or um, donations, but it's also the people that are doing it. You build relationships. I know my wife, when she works with St. Vincent de Paul, she says, look, I'm going to be a bit delayed um, because there's one old fellow that I actually have to go and visit and I know he's lonely. He just wants to talk and talk and talk. And so what's happening is my wife is actually getting involved in, in, in reaching out, but she's finding that, you know, that um, relationship is much more than just dropping off some groceries or, or helping financially. It's basically connecting. And so our society is getting less connected and we need to be volunteering. We need to be not just involved in our kids' sports, not just involved in our kids' schools, which we should be, but also involved in um, the broader society. And then also I've met so many groups, friendships groups, friendship groups that are working with East Timor, with communities. And, and so the relationships that are built amongst the people who are volunteering and the people that are involved in these, um, these groups um, is quite extraordinary. And so I've found that my life has become much, much richer, that I've actually become much more... Um, alive in the way that I've been able to meet people that have got a huge heart and meet people and I've learnt things from people and, and I'm mixing with wonderful people and so people that want to complain about the fact that our society is you know, no good, I tell you that I come across goodness everywhere yeah. and you find them when you're volunteering, you find them when you get out and you actually go beyond your comfort zone and you're starting to do things for, for other people and you meet other people that are also involved in that way and it's a great way. Young people talk about how hard it is to meet 
um, you know, um, someone to be a future spouse, you know, but yeah. if they get involved with, you know, the uh, Franciscans or the soup van or they get involved with working um, on the Friday night school that um, is being, has been run for, for years to help refugees, yeah. you meet other young people that have also got a heart and you meet some wonderful people and that's, that's what we need to be doing instead of just going to nightclubs or going online trying to find some Don't dating site that. that's going to give them someone who's compatible, you know, this whole idea of compatibility and and, and so the idea is that we, we have to be um, really involved um, much more in our community, much more involved in, in areas where anyone can be involved in these things. You don't have to retire or you don't have to have enough money put aside that you can be involved in philanthropy, that ultimately um, it's something that everybody can do. Um, in my own business, when I was involved in the financial services sector, we got involved with uh, the Ride for a Cure for you know, juvenile diabetes. So everyone in the office got involved and um, um, the bike riders who would ride in the Barossa Valley to raise money yeah. um, every year, uh, they raised uh, huge amounts of money. Our office ended up being one of the major um, donors for the juvenile diabetes. And so we wow. had all sorts of activities and morning teas and um, all sorts of um, funny, fun sort of um, activities where people were raising money. And then we had people training to ride bikes and people who had never ridden a bike, you know, would, would yeah. take up the ride. And so we had the team and then we had the support team and then we had the people who were just doing the fundraising. And so yeah. it built a community spirit within the office that wouldn't have happened if we weren't doing that philanthropic uh, work. And there were people that were the most junior people in the office who were some of the most active in doing this sort of um, work. And so we did that for many, many years. And so those sorts of things build community, build a sense of purpose and a sense of um, teamwork that's much, much bigger than people just going to work to make money for themselves. And it really bonds people together. And yeah. um, I think that um, that's really critical. It's also critical for my children to see their mum and their dad out actively out there doing things and not yep. just focusing on, um, on, on the family units. So many times I've heard people in business say, oh, I'm... Um, I'm doing this, you know, they do some crooked deal or they do something where they're pushing ahead for themselves and they don't want to say they're doing it because they're greedy or selfish. Oh, I'm doing it for my family, you know. Um, I want to make money for my family. But that's just a cop-out. They're really saying they're really wanting to make money, but yeah. they, you know, somehow it, it lessens the, the harshness of it if they're doing it for the sake of their family, you know. Sure, sure. So we have to, we have to um, be providers. We have to provide for our family. But, you know, quite often... We have to make sure that our children uh, see that we're doing something much, much more than just, um, you know, what's in our in a little unit, our family's best interest. You're we need leading to be... by example. Exactly. At the end of the day, you're not just getting there and yeah. saying things. You're actually doing something, which yeah. is so important. And what you mentioned about local community mm. work is absolutely vital. And mm. you see less than that or seem to be less and less of that these days. Yeah. And, and you mentioned something earlier too about loneliness. I think loneliness is a huge problem these days. Not sure. only lonely individuals. I mean, someone could be in a family but be lonely. Yeah. And that is a bit, I, we haven't even touched the Christmas is one of the loneliest times of year for people, and yet this is the family time when people all get together, and that's when it becomes, you know, it, it, they push up against the stark reality that things aren't perfect in their own family. No family is perfect. All families are... Family is messy, you know, and it's just, you know, we talk about in the church, marriage is a sacrament. Mm. Um, and, and my wife... Um, often talks about the fact that it's the sacrament of dirty nappies and and up to your um, elbows in the um, in the SIT, yeah. SHIT stuff, you know. But yeah. uh, the fact is, it is a messy um, sacrament. Yeah. And relationships are messy and they're hard and they're worth it. 
Um, and the fact is that we grow together, we grow to love each other because of the shared history yep. that, that we build up year after year after year. And so, you know, the, the idea is is that we have to do the hard things yep. and, and um, we have to take risks and we have to reach out and, you know, a ship in a harbour is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. That's a good know? point. Do you think people have become a little risk averse these days? Not a little, a lot. You right. know, people just don't think the risk is a good idea. And in fact, we don't grow. We don't, um, you go to the gym and you work out and you stretch your muscles and there's a lot of pain the next day yeah. after you've had a really heavy workout because you've actually torn muscle and you actually, then it rebuilds, the muscle rebuilds and you get stronger. So what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It is, it is a, uh, a crucified Christ that we, we serve. But the fact is we know that uh, through Good Friday, we come to Easter Sunday. Yeah. And that there is, um, it is worth it, every bit of it. It is, it is worth um, laying down your life because, you know, you, you end up having a life that is more fulfilling mm. and more real and, and, and it's true and it's real. And, and that is what people are craving is reality. They're craving truth. And, and that's what um, I think our culture has, um, has been lacking. And we need to actually be salt and light to our culture. We need to actually immerse that. We need to stand up and be counted mm. for what is real. And we need to do the hard yards. And, um, and it is going to be hard and it is going to be tough. And it continues to be that. But it's, it's so worth it and so worthwhile. Sure. There yeah. are a lot of lost people out there, uh, no doubt about that, this day and age. In terms mm. of families, again, no... You mentioned messy. I like to use the word dysfunctional. Same thing, because mm-hmm. there is no perfectly functional family. No. Yeah, I just look at my, my extended family. <laughs> too. We have all sorts of issues, and you just have to deal with them day by day or week by week or whatever. Uh, and that's part of the, the fun of life, I suppose. If everything was rosy mm. and there were no issues, then there'd be no challenges out there. Yep. What, what sort of things, if people are really struggling with their yep. family situation, what, have you got any suggestions of what they can actually do? The world's like a giant fruitcake. It needs a few nuts to make it just right. Yeah. And so I'm one of those nuts. Right. And so the, the thing is, is um, when all of us have struggled, um, you know, the fact that it's messy, um, somehow we think, oh, you know, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Yes, it is. Mm. Get over it. Yeah. You know, the fact is, it is tough. And so my um, experience has been that, you know, when things get tough, the tough get going. You know, they mm. get really get focused. And so the question is, is... What, what is it in the relationship that I can do that I can actually make this better? You know, you can't change somebody else. You can only change yourself. And if you change yourself, you change the relationship. Yeah. And so the idea is, um, is to, you know, literally it's grace that actually um, is what has, has really persevered and has come, you know, it's, it's free gift. And so, you know, prayer is, is, you know, people say things are tough, but I say, well, have you been praying? Mm. Have, have you been going to the sacraments? Have you been going to confession and asking for forgiveness mm. for the part that you've had to pay? Um, one of the things that my wife um, has, has, has done remarkably well is whenever we're out of sorts, and usually it's because I've been a bit of a lazy so-and-so, <laughs> and then she actually asks me for forgiveness. Right. And I'm like, I'm a bit shamed, you know, like, excuse me. And she says, well, I've allowed this sort of situation to get in the way of our relationship, and I, I really need to be forgiven for that. And doesn't that make me feel like a heel? Yeah, is that reverse psychology? <laughs> it must be. These yeah. women are very good at it. Well, but I tell you bad. what, she's got a point. Yeah. That, that, that the, the bad situation can only get better if we take personal responsibility for our part that we're playing in that situation. And if, if we're married to someone who's an absolute 
you know, no hope. Huh? Yeah. The fact is, is you need to pray for them. Yeah. And you need to pray for their healing. Yeah. And then you need to just continually to love and lay down your life. And that, you know, in, in, and um, I've found that um, in my own relationship, but also many uh, relationships that I've been aware of, that yeah. that laying down of your life has an impact on a relationship. And, you know, like it's interesting, you know, um, St. Monica, um, her son, Augustine, was an absolute uh, rogue. Absolute and, rogue. And she prayed and prayed and prayed and was through tears of years and years and years where she prayed for his conversion and conversion of heart. And and basically, it was the tears and the prayers of St. Monica that gave us one of the greatest uh, literary heroes of, of um, the Western world, but also one of the greatest saints and one of the greatest um, aspirations that we, we could have in St. Augustine. And so we need to pray for our spouse and for our children the way that St. Monica prayed for St. Augustine. Right. And that's that's prayer, and it's, it's, it's asking for grace and for healing, and it's... it's literally the example of just continually loving and laying down your life and then and being um there for that other person it's about you know asking for respect and asking for um uh, that you be treated um respectfully but not just focusing on you know it's all about me but focusing on what can i do to make the relationship better to make the family better the relationship with the children yeah and, and so you know we have to be on it we have to wear out our knees mm. uh, for our relationships every day that i pray i am praying for my spouse i'm praying for um, my children one of the prayers that i say every morning is you know sort of you know lord wash away my iniquity cleanse me from my sins you know bring all souls to heaven especially those you've placed in my care yeah. God has placed these people in my care. I've got a responsibility to love them, to lead them, to be an example. Wow. And so I have to lay down my life. And so it's not about me. It's about these people that God has entrusted to me. Mm. My job is to get my spouse to heaven. Mm. Um, and her job is to get me to heaven. And our job is to get our children to heaven because my wife um, is very clear on the fact that um, with our kids, whatever they do in life... Um, um, that's great. We want them to be successful. We want them sure. to be happy. We want all those things, but of there's course. nothing we want more yeah. than to spend eternity with them. Yeah. And and so therefore, um, whatever we do has got to be focused on these people who've been placed in our care, our children, and then potentially our, our grandchildren. Yeah. Um, these these are the people that we need to actually influence more than anything else. And then when we've done that, we actually have to reach out to the wider community. But it's sure. in fact reaching out to the wider community that is an example to our kids and yeah. and. Um, to yeah. our, our spouse, that that that's the way that um, that we need to live our life, and yeah. and it, it it strengthens our relationship because our relationships are not just for us; they're for the whole church, they're sure. for the whole community. Yeah. I've probably fallen short in previous jobs where I've had a bad boss. I didn't pray hard enough for him, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did, but I was probably <laughs> praying for the wrong thing. Uh, indeed. <laughs> Dear Lord, take this boss and you know, sort of, uh, put him on the chopping block or something. Is there a bus coming around the next exactly. corner? Exactly. <laughs> no, the fact is, is look, we all fall short. We've yeah. all fallen short, but the fact is is that um, we can pray for more grace, for more healing. To be faithful, I have to be true, and I have to speak the truth in love, and I have to make sure that my kids um, see the courage that I have. And how many times have we been prepared to actually have the courage to stand against um, our peers and what the whole of the culture is telling us? Not easy. It's not easy, not easy. but our kids notice. They notice when we have the courage to have an unpopular view as far as the culture is concerned, but we're consistent and we're faithful and we're true, and they go, wow, I might disagree with some of the things my old man says or my mum my says, but boy... They are consistent and they are 
um, you know, faithful to what they believe in. And, and that, that is very attractive. Sure. And I think that is what will capture the hearts and the minds and eventually the souls of our children, that they will, um, they will recognise that, um, that love and that truth that is, is inherent in our, in our relationships and that, that they want to actually have, um, you know, like when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> exactly, and everybody still remembers that line. That line, absolutely. That's <laughs> very good. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time. Oh, dear. I could sit here and talk to you all day. That's no, good okay. fun. Kevin Barty, thank you very much for being here. Good on you, David. It's always a, um, a, a struggle, but it's, it's well worth it. It's good fun. Thank you again. Thank you.